0: Well, last weekend, I was on our men's adventure trip, our annual men's adventure trip, and every year, a handful of men brave into the wild Wisconsin wilderness. And on the first day, we braved deathly rapids, and you can see a picture there. I'm not sure what was more scary, the rapids that we were shooting or slightly out of shape men wearing tight wetsuits getting ready to go down the rapids. (laughs) The second day we had to stay out of Sahara-like sand traps on the golf course, and I know we may look good and clean there, but it was just as ugly out on the golf course, I promise you. But a shout out to Kip Bennett, who won the Adventure Cup, the golf trophy. Kip was the one who thought of the trophy, and for years he's been trying to win it, and he finally brought it home this year, so congratulations, Kip. All the while, we were braving the elements, sleeping in tents, and having our adventure guides cook all of our meals. So I'm grateful just to feel like I made it back alive after that week with those guys. But our theme verse during those days was Galatians 6, 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And each morning, these men were exploring and reflecting on verses, scripture, That had to do with the harvest principle, sowing and reaping. And there are many, many verses that talk about sowing and reaping and harvest in our scriptures. And while they were doing that in the mornings, they had many questions that they were just sitting with and praying about and writing in their little booklets that we had made. And then around the campfire at the evening, we would discuss kind of what was God saying and all of that and what questions and where were they challenged. And some of the questions they were uh, sitting with were, were these What are the seeds? Those attitudes, values, behaviors. What are the seeds that I am most regularly sowing in my relationship with God, my home, my work, my neighborhood, and beyond? What is the harvest, the fruit of my labor that I am reaping in what I'm sowing right now? And am I pleased with what I'm reaping? What are the seeds that I should be sowing to experience that abundant life that Christ had promised Or what are the sea or what what is the harvest potential of my life if I were to really sow well with the days that God has given me? And so these aren't small questions. And we said then that guys, we're just gonna we're entering into a conversation that you need to spend the whole summer with. And really spend some time reflecting. And I think they will. And in a similar fashion, I want us to reflect on what it means to sow leadership in our home. And in our church. See, we're in week three of a four-week message series titled Follow the Leader. And we're focusing on how do we multiply leaders among us. This is birthed out of our mission, out of our strategic goals as a a church. And it came from there because we realized we have many leaders. And they're doing a wonderful job. But we're not developing many leaders. And we're certainly not multiplying leaders in all of our ministries. And we feel very strongly that God is leading us in some very specific directions. And if we're not multiplying, growing, developing, multiplying, releasing leaders, then we may fall short of what God wants to do. And we don't want to do that. So when we think about making the shift to multiplying leaders, and we're going to make the shift, it'll be about identifying and growing and releasing these leaders. And it'll look a lot like discipleship. Because that's what discipleship is. And discipleship is a core value at our church, and actually our leadership will come out of our discipleship. But when we do, we are going to see new ministry unfold at Christ Church, and we're going to be amazed at what God continues to do through his faithful servants at the church we call Christ Church. And so how are we going to make this shift happen in our homes and in our families? Well, I don't believe in magic formulas, especially when it comes to life and faith and leadership, I've read many, many books, and I'm sure you have too, that say something like, if you would only do these seven habits, or if you would fix these five dysfunctions, or if you would apply these 21 principles, then you would have success. Well, this may work in mathematics, where formulas work every time, but I, when you work with people and you're talking about leadership, it doesn't always work like that. It's not that simple. But I have been captured recently by three words, three little words, that when they are working together, transformation happens. I have to blame Dr. Scott McKnight, theologian, writer, professor, speaker, who will be preaching here later in July at Christ Church. Uh, But I've got to blame him for what I'm going to share, because I've had the privilege of studying under Scott McKnight over the last several years. And I've read his recent manuscript that will will be published sometime next year. And something has shifted in me. And something has captured my heart that I want to share with you today. Three little words. Three words that define, I believe, our Christian lives. Three words that define our relationships with those around us. Three words that define how we are to be as a church family. And certainly how we are to raise up and grow and release leaders among us. These words are not a formula. But if you hold them together and take them to heart and commit your life to them, you're going to find that the kingdom of God is going to break into your life and into your home and into the life of our church. You're hooked now, aren't you? Three little words. Here they are. Very simply. With, for, and unto. Can you say those with me? With, for, and unto. This is about as smart as I am. I've got to keep it small. But you're going to see, these three words, I think, make up a pretty compelling definition of love. See, love, Jesus says, sums up the whole law. He hung his whole ministry on love. Love describes the nature, the character, and the reality of God, and love embodies the call that you and I have, all of us, in our kingdom mission here on earth. These three words describe God's love toward us, and they describe how we are to respond to him and move toward one another. These three words are why I labor every day for the gospel of Christ. Now, I might get excited or a little passionate. It's my little caveat. I've never been accused of lacking intensity or drive. You should just be married to me to find that out. Actually, you should not be married to me. That would be perhaps not good for you. You should try being one of my kids. You should try being one of my little leaguers, for that matter. I'm I'm always pumping. I got these tremendous pregame speeches for these 10-year-olds. And usually it ends with, you know, coach, can I go to the bathroom? Like, uh, are we going to Dairy Queen after the game? And I'm like, did you hear anything I just said? Like, we've got a big game against the Dodgers, like right now. You know, they don't care. So anyway, so I've never lacked intensity. But uh, let's get in. Let's, Let's touch these three words and how they connect with love. The first is with. Love is a commitment to presence. Love is a commitment to presence. One of the most amazing verses in scripture, I believe, is is, uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And I like the way the message translation puts it. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We know from John 1, 1 that uh, the word was with God. The word is Jesus, right? And Jesus steps out of his glory and moves into the neighborhood of our lives into our reality. And that brilliant translation, I think, displays the unthinkable character, call, mission, and love of God through Christ. God came to be with us. God lived, and he still lives in us now by his spirit. He is personal. He is close. God touches. God loves. And it's not surprising then that Christ himself hangs his whole ministry on two great commands. What are the two great commands? Love God, love your neighbor, or love others, right? Two great commands and a great commission, which is to go and make disciples. How? In the same way that Christ was with us. Love God, love others, and go. Make disciples. Be with them as I am with you. And when we do that, we find that his will is done. And his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We just prayed that. And I could preach all day just on this one word, but I want you to hear this. Because Christ is with us, we are to be with one another. Not just to take up space with one another, but to truly be present and attentive. And I'm amazed, and I think it's kind of getting worse that we become more fragmented and distracted and we're losing presence with one another. It only takes sitting maybe in my own house. The other day, probably two weeks ago, we had a TV on and I had my laptop open. My wife was talking on her phone and her laptop was open. Sadie was using my iPad and Clay was doing something on another phone. And I'm thinking, what in the world are we doing? And we were all in the living room together, but we definitely were not with one another. And unfortunately our pastors are filled with people struggling in their relationships and in their marriages. And so much of it comes back that we've forgotten how to be with one another and for one another, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But it's not just our homes and our marriages and our kids. It's also in our church family. We've got to be with one another. We need to be present and attentive when we're serving and how we're growing leaders around us. Dan has often said, we need to get people done through ministry not get ministry done through people, right? That in the midst of our life together, we need to be with one another because the early church had figured it out. They were with one another. And in Acts chapter two, it says, they found favor with all the people. And God, God was drawing people in daily, those that were being saved. It came out of the community that that early church had, present and attentive. So the question for you, and like the men's adventure trip, I'm just gonna throw out some questions for you to think about both today and as you leave from here. Your first question is this, am I truly with those around me? Am I present and attentive to their lives? If we would only be with one another, I'm convinced that we would see a dramatic impact in our marriages, and in our families, and in our church. We would see transformation if we were just with one another more intentionally. But that's just the first of two words. The second one is for, and love is a commitment to promotion, to support, to encouragement, to advocacy. See, being with one another is just a beginning. After we're with one another, now we know how to be for one another. Consider these verses, Philippians chapter two. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. Advocate for others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And we usually stop there. We break that section. But if you just read that next verse, it says, In your relationships with one another, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ." Pretty amazing. In Romans chapter 5, it said, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If God is willing to do that for us, if he loves us that much, that he came to be with us, and he's going to be for us all the way to the end, to do what we can't even do for ourselves, then Romans 8 makes sense when it says, What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? You see, love is not a passive word. It moves towards others to build them up. Love advocates, it promotes, it supports, it encourages. This is not a concept to understand. This is not head knowledge. See, it's getting your hands dirty in the lives of those around you. The book of James tells us that faith without works is dead. See, being for others is putting your deeds and your actions behind your love and your thoughts and your intentions. As you are with others, you will know how to be for them because it flows out of relationship, which is, you know, not surprising what God has created for us to be in relationship with him so we are to be in relationship with one another. That's how the great commands work together. And it might cost you something to be for others. It might cost you a lot but you know what? We're called, if Christ is Lord of our lives, to have the same mindset of Christ. That we sacrifice and we love one another. The water's getting a little deeper, right? Because I'm just thinking like, golly, I just confess that I'm not even with my own family that well. You know, and then I think about my own marriage and I think about, you know, many people that I'm around every day. Am I really advocating for them or do I play it a little safe? But we have one more word to go and it's unto. Unto. And love is a commitment with a direction. It has mission. And it has purpose. It's going somewhere. Listen to Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And then verses, or chapter two, thirteen. This is Paul. He says, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul's saying, I pray that your love, that you will be with one another. Because knowledge, when you read knowledge in Scripture, it's always talking about this relational knowledge. It's not so much head knowledge. It's that I truly know something because I'm intimately connected to it. Paul's saying that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So that you're able to discern what is best. We can be for each other. Pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. That God is calling us unto himself to fill us with the righteousness of Christ. That's the direction. To the glory and the praise of God. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. We learn two things from these verses and I think for Paul, this was kind of the chest-expanding declaration of the Christian faith for Paul. He says, God wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. In how we are with and for and calling each other unto God. Because you know what? That's what I've done for you. And I want you to do it for one another. And secondly, God's powerful hand of grace is going to make it happen in your life. If you will just give him room to do it. If you would just obey and truly lean in to what it means to be with, for and unto one another. The Frenchman, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, right, you should be a country boy from Ohio trying to learn how to say that French name. I practiced all week. He gives us a graphic image of what it means to love unto when he says this. He says, life has taught us that love does not consist of gazing at each other, but in looking outward together in the same direction. I like that. Perhaps one of our greatest needs is to learn how to love each other in the direction of the kingdom of God. This is the ministry of reconciliation and redeeming of what's been lost or enslaved in our lives. This is to love mercy and justice. This is what it means for husbands and wives to be in mutual submission and influence in each other's lives. This is how we grow and mature and disciple those next disciples and leaders in our congregation. You see, our target is God, in Christ, by the Spirit, and our reality is to live more fully into the kingdom that is broken into our lives. John 1, 14. But how do we do it? We begin with those right around us. Our home, our family, our marriages, our kids, our small group members, where we're volunteering in the church, those that we sit next to in the pew each week with the church family. We begin right there. And to call one another into and unto this abundant life of flourishing, with Christ, When we lose this focus, we settle for something less. Usually something more selfish, but certainly something less satisfying. So a few more questions for you. How are you growing unto God personally? Our whole Grow ministry at Christ Church is dedicated to helping you grow in your intentional journey. If you don't know what STEP means, S-T-E-P, Grab a grow guide on your way out or or go on the internet. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to make you work for it a little bit because then you'll remember it. But step is kind of our way of helping you grow unto God. Or maybe this question. How are you calling those in your home or in your family, whatever that context is, unto God? Do your closest relationships honor God's intentions for them? Are you finding service and partnerships in the church, and are you calling those that you're serving alongside or walking alongside closer and deeper into the reality of God being Lord in their lives? These are the good seeds that we plant when we're with and for one another. So much more. So much more could be be said. Are you tracking with me on the potential of just these three little words, if we were to live them out in every sphere of our life? I know we're only scratching the surface, but, you know, we scratched enough. We've gotten down at least one layer, and that's enough, that we can begin living this out, living these three little words. And as you think about your own faith journey, as you consider your own relationships, especially in your family, as you consider how we grow and invest into the volunteers, into the kids and the students, I'm so happy Madison did our call to worship this morning, as we invest into our groups and our leaders at every level in the church and grow them up and call more into that service to release them, it'll be because we are with and for and unto one another. When that becomes part of our language and our story, when we start living that out, I promise you, things are going to change. And we are going to find a kingdom of God breaking in like never before into your life and into your home. And into the life of our church. Would you pray with me? Father, it truly is amazing that you came to be with us. And not just to hang out with us, but you were for us. That you made an ultimate sacrifice. And God, you challenge us to have that same mindset. That we would be with each other, that we would be for each other. But it has a purpose and a mission and a direction that your kingdom would come in our life and in this world here as it is in heaven. So God, may it be so with us. Give us the courage to live that kind of life. For it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.